sometimes on a holiday weekend, you're like, God, don't give me something really good because half the church would be out of town. But the closer I got to Sunday, the more I began to sense God's spirit and his prophetic utterance on what I'm going to share with you this morning. And um, I really sense his presence and I, I, I feel, you know, pray for me that God will help me deliver what I believe he is wanting to say to us. And I pray and oftentimes this is the case, people who don't attend this service or people who don't get to hear the sermon, they do tune in because it's, it's really beautiful what God's doing around here and how people want to know what is God saying to us just happens to be through Pastor Chuck, but it's God speaking to us. And so this morning, I want to go to a passage of scripture in Genesis chapter 11. And um, it's, it's, the, uh, it's about the Tower of Babel. And a lot of us don't fully grasp or understand what the messages are to us from that story. Um, it's after the fall, it's after the flood. It's right before God calls Abraham, and it's amazing where it's positioned. And in Genesis chapter 9, after the flood, God tells Noah's children the same thing he told Adam and Eve. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Go out all over the earth. And we see in this chapter where they, they don't do that. And for whatever independent reason, they go, you know what, let's stop right here. And in Genesis chapter 11, it's, it's the parallels of what we're seeing today in our culture and around the world are, are quite amazing. So verse 1 from the English Standard Version. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come. Let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. Let's make some materials that we could build something. And they had a brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. And let us make a name for ourselves. And some translations say, let's make ourselves famous. Let us make a name for ourselves. Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people or they are unified and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do, what they will do in their own strength. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. It's the power of unity and a unified language where there is perfect communication. And that's the story of when, when people, when marriages, when husband and wife communicate perfectly, it's amazing what God does in that marriage and in that family. But we are limited by communication. Verse 7, come, let us go down. And this is let us, God the Father and the Trinity. Let's go down. Let us go down. And they're confused their language. This is what God does in man's effort to arrive, to build a way to get God to come down. It's religion. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And the word Babel there is... The same word in Hebrew that is chaotic or confusion. And so, therefore, its name was called confusion or chaos because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Now, most all of us know this story, but 
when, we, when we're asked, what happened in this story? Typically, everybody says, well, God confused the languages, and out of that arose all of the languages of the world, and because people were now not together but divided, and they went to different places on planet Earth, we also see that the races were started here. And I have to say, you know, looking at like Wikipedia, which says that it's a story about how all the languages of the world arose, simply. And you know, it's collective editing in Wikipedia, and you get a general idea of what everybody thinks about the story in Genesis 11. And I would say to you that you, you've got to take a much closer look because that's just, a bare, that's just barely part of it. And to understand this story and to go beyond, well, that's where the language is and that's where the races started. You've got to take a closer look. And the first thing you have to realize is that Babel is Babylon. It's Babylon. This becomes Babylon. Everyone needs to know that. And Babylon is the state that's gone mad. When you take a closer look, we could take 15 minutes this morning and, and just talk about Babel and Babylon and, and what it was like, but we don't have to because we live in a culture right now that is patterned after that same spirit. And it is a spirit. It's the spirit of the world. We see the danger in this story of becoming prideful, arrogant, and thinking we don't need God, becoming independent. Babylon symbolizes, listen to me, a worldly pride. Babylon symbolizes moral corruption, immorality gone crazy. And Babylon symbolizes defiance against God. Babylon represents the world system that opposes God, hates Jesus Christ, and appeals to the baser appetites of human nature. We are seeing the spirit of Babylon. We've seen it our whole lives, but we are seeing a manifestation of it at a level that we know we are nearing the end times. Naomi Rosenblatt said, every generation builds its own towers. Babylon is the state or the culture that's gone mad. And it's a continual temptation for human beings, listen, to build complex organizations that get too high. They have too many layers where some people at the top are out of touch. And there's not, they're not local enough. They're too separate from the people they serve. It's interesting that the European Union did this. The EU building in Strasbourg in France was designed from the medieval painting of Bruegel's Tower of Babel, or so it appears. It's uncanny that they looked at the 17th century painting of Bruegel and the Tower of Babel and the EU building in France was designed to look just like that picture. That's incredible. But you have to understand the Babylonian spirit, the spirit of Babylon. It's a Luciferian story. It's the spirit of intellect, of knowledge apart from God, which is what the serpent tempted Adam and Eve, that if they ate, they would be like God and they would know good from evil and they'd be separated from the one that they needed to know and that's a continual it's a continual temptation for us to build situations businesses lots in life like that but it's a luciferian spirit the spirit of intellect the one who brings understanding or knowledge apart from god the one who just like satan lucifer in heaven he he flew too high, so high that he challenged God himself. And this, this tower is a symbol of that, of prideful intellect 
John Milton's story, I don't know if you've ever read it, but it too is a 17th century story. And it, it's a line, it's over a thousand lines of poem. And it, it's, it's called Paradise Lost. And it's the story of what happened in heaven between Lucifer and God. And it's an incredible thing to read where Lucifer, this is a story, this isn't biblical, but it's, it's how many people um, see the relationship in heaven between Lucifer and God. And in the, in the, the story, The Paradise Lost, um, Lucifer is entreated by God to come back into heaven and you'll be forgiven. And Lucifer says, no, I don't want to do that because if I did, I know my nature. I would do this over again. And long story short, very long story short, he then is cast out of heaven. And Lucifer says this, and this is the spirit of Babylon and the spirit of our age. I'd rather rule in heaven. I'm, I'm sorry. I'd rather rule in hell than serve in heaven. And that's the pride of life. And there are many people, perhaps even some of us here today, that's the spirit that we're caught up in. It's about having power. Having power is what Listen, every student, listen to me. It's about having power. And power is what every student at every level in our, in our educational institution is about. Gaining power. Knowledge is power. Virtually all of our jobs, with a few exceptions, were built on getting promoted, moving up. Having more stuff. And we live in a world where he who has the most toys has the most power. They've made a name for themselves. And our whole culture, our whole world feeds our carnal side that makes us want more. More what? At the end of the day, we want more power. And that's what was happening here in Genesis chapter 11. Pride, power, and prestige. Verse 4 they say, let us build something and make a name for ourselves. Reading that and then turning over to Romans chapter 12. I want to read the whole chapter this morning. And on one hand, I apologize for having some, such lengthy passages of Scripture in my sermon. On the other hand, I do not apologize one bit. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And notice, everybody, notice, it starts right here with this. Present your body, fully surrender. Surrender your whole body. Become a living sacrifice. And the rest of this chapter is just beautiful. Verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we... Though many are one body in Christ. You see the, the, the theme of unity here. Being brought back together as living sacrifices. What was splintered and divided in Genesis 11. Now here in the New Testament, we're brought back together as a body. The body of Christ. Verse 4. For as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we... Though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us then, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is Paul in that second part, which is called the gifts of grace, verses 3 through 8. We're a body. We've been brought back together. 
And every part of the body has a role. Do what you're called and gifted by his grace to do. And then verse 9 through the rest of the chapter, through 21, if you look in the ESV or the NIV or New Living Translation, most translations say now, in this last section, marks of a true Christian. Verse 9, it says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Verse 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Verse 18, if possible, I love this verse, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. Hear this, somebody. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And here's the last thing. We need this in 2022. Do not be overcome with evil. Do not. But overcome evil with good. I have so much to say about this. Y'all just stretch your hand this way and say, Lord, give him the spirit of brevity. All right. In Genesis 11, pride. We're going to build something. We're going to get to a level and have some power. And that's what's happening in our world right now. I'm going to get really, really real as, as best I know how as a prayerful person. There are a lot of forces right now in our nation and around the world competing for ultimate power. Um, and it is an elitist mentality of only a certain number of people can be at the top. And it's crazy what's happening. Many people don't even realize it. In COVID, every 30 hours, a new billionaire has been made. There is a shifting of resources through the deception and the manipulation that's happening, and it's crazy. What's ha We've never seen a time like this. And there's, with drugs and pharmaceutical and political power and deception and, man and manipulation, we live in a day where we do not know if we can trust our news. And if you think, oh, I trust mine, well, tell me where you're finding yours because I, I, I'd love to discern whether I can trust it. And, and there is, on one hand, there is, there is an, you would be foolish to sit back and go, oh, you, you got, try the decaf, Pastor Chuck, one Sunday morning. You'd be foolish to go, I don't see it. And a lot of people don't see it because they don't want to see it. But if you see what is really going on, there is a serious striving for ultimate power. There is a, we're building something. And yes, there will be layers and levels, but most of the people will not get up here where we are. And on the flip side of that, there is a holy, righteous, desirous group of people who they see that as evil, rightfully so, and they should. And we have a choice of, are we going to compete at the same game? And I want to say something to everybody that's politically wired. In my prayer time, I know, and I'm just going to be, I'm going to call it like I see it. There are people on the left and people on the right. 
And there's a large group of people on the right who, if the former president could just get back in office, we'd win this game. And to us, it would be a sign of God answered our prayers. And I believe that if that was God's will, I think he would delay that right now because too many people of faith have their faith more in the former president than they do in God. And, and listen, if, if he were to go back in, whether it's good news or not, and I think I know where most people land in here, I believe that the church would go back to sitting back, crossing their arms, not as passionate, hungry, prayerful, spiritual in their daily walk. And if that, was, if that is the case, I say, God, keep us hungry. We, the last thing we need is to go, hey, somebody got, somebody got us up here. And, we have, and it's a slippery slope. And there's a flexing of power. And there is an unrighteous hatred for people who are on the other side, on both sides of the camp. And there are people on the left that see the former president not being in the White House as a sign that God has answered their prayer and that God's will is being done. And we have our eyes on the wrong stuff. And the truth is, and I just come with a broken heart and a, and a, 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 a prayerful mindset that I, I feel like I'm seeing and feeling and hearing what God is doing. God's trying to send a revival and we're trying to win politically. I don't want to lose politically. I care for our nation. What's going on in our nation is crazy. Men can't get pregnant. Our sons shouldn't have to go into a bathroom with women. And women shouldn't come in. There are male and female. And that's it. That's it. What's happening to our education system? There is a running as far away as you can from public education for most believers who can afford it. And those who can't go, I'll educate my own children. And now we have a nation that goes, we can't trust these parents with their children. We know better. What's happening in our world is crazy. But do not try to overcome evil with evil. Listen. I believe, I got to tell you, when I read this verse right here, verse 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. I go, part of my flesh goes, come on, I cannot wait. God said, vengeance is mine. I will, mm, mm, I just can't wait. It's your turn now. I believe in praying for this. The people who oppose every, the Babylonian spirit, those people who are captivated by it. When we see the vengeance of God poured out on them, our hearts are going to melt and break because you do not want to see God's wrath poured out on people. But we're going to see it. Judgment day is coming. God help us to go, okay, God. I mean, we have people who have thrown their name in the hat. We have people who have given financially because they care politically. And I'm not dismissing those efforts. I have supported them. Every one of them, and I will continue to support candidates like that. But I'm calling this church to shift their focus from a Babylonian spirit. Let's build a higher platform. Let's gain, and doing it in the same spirit of our world, let's build us a, an altar. Because the way up is the way down. Are y'all out there? 
And what we need is an anointing to fall upon the church to where God can begin the revival in the nation that he wants to through the church. I'm feeling what I'm saying right now, whether I'm saying it with passion or whether you're saying amen or not. God is trying to catch the affection of the church in this hour. And if he can, and she will fall on her face in prayer, seeking God with a broken heart, we're going to see a river of his anointing, a river of his spirit flowing across our nation like we have never seen before. And let's be honest, truly, that's the only hope we have. Amen? Now, this whole Romans chapter 12, let's break this down for us personally. Um, Genesis 11, okay, you're trying to get power, prestige, pride, God obliterated it. And listen, when people are vying for power, prestige, overcome with pride, they're confused. Their languages are always confused. Those people only last together for a short while. They get divided. And I'm afraid too many of us are divided. And, and the New Testament comes and the word is all about bringing us back together, making us whole, making us one. Jesus, I'll read in a second. He prays to the Father, Father, make them one with the same oneness that you and I have, oneness. Make them one. And I would say to, to many of you, how are we going to survive what we're going through? You need people. You need to be joined with others. You need to be close to a group of people that can help give you life. How do people make it through traumatic, stressful situations? These counselors in here will tell you, most people make it through because they have a group of people who love them and they love, and, and it helps them make it through. But too many people are still divided. And, and that's what a Babylonian spirit does. Listen, in our job pursuits, in our children's education, in our children's athletic endeavors, that chasing after power or prestige or titles, or senses of accomplishment. It limits our schedule. It causes us to not have enough time to have people in our lives. And in this independent American spirit, we are so alone. And in our faith, one of the beautiful things that God's doing at Restoration Church is He's been by His Spirit drawing together a like-minded group of people. And what's happening in this church is supernatural as he brought us together for such a time as this and in our unity he is moving by his spirit like his word promises that he will in this Romans passage we see several things verse 3 says just don't think more highly of yourself the way up is 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 not up it's down verse 4 you're a member of a body each part of the body has a gift or a role to play. Do you know your gift? Do you know your role? And are you playing it? Verses 5 through 8 says we all have different gifts. Let's, let us use them as members of one another who we belong to one another. And then verses 9 through 21. Listen to this as I read this again. Not the whole thing, but it's the marks of a true Christian. Love genuinely. Outdo one another in showing honor. Don't be slothful or slow or lazy. Be fervent, urgent. i got to park right here a second. You know, that's the word for us this year that the Lord gave us, that we needed to be urgent. You know what it is to be urgent? You know, it takes about 30 to 35 minutes from the time I start getting ready to be able to leave the house. It's about 30 to 35 minutes. But sometimes I have 17 minutes. And I can get ready in 17 minutes. You know what I am? Urgent. I don't stand there before I shave 
and find which playlist I want to listen to while I'm shaving and in the shower. I don't sit there and go, doggone it, that old Bose speaker's outdated and not speaking, and spend six minutes trying to figure out why won't it sync up. I don't spend time going over every angle to make sure I have a smooth shave. Sometimes I don't even shave. I don't stand in the shower and stretch, you know, and, and get loose because I exercise that morning. I don't give Candace sugar for me because that, that can take a little while, you know what I mean? I, I, I've got 17 minutes to get ready, and you know what? I'm focused. Don't talk to me. Don't Dog, somebody else is going to have to feed them. I'll get coffee on the way, and I can get ready in 17 minutes. We're in a season right now, brothers and sisters, where every Sunday, where every day, I'm calling you to be urgent in your expressing your faith. You don't have time to download some new album or get lost on Bethel's new project or, oh, there came, I'm going to check Facebook too while I'm getting ready. Oh, shoot. Oh, that, look at that story. Oh, shoot, now I'm on reels. Honey, come here, look at this kid kissing that dog when that dog is licking him. Isn't that awesome? And then she takes my phone and goes, hey, you just had an alert pop up. You're playing golf today at 930? Why are you rushing? I've got 17 minutes to go play golf. Oh, that's why you're urgent. You know, I'm not. We've got to get. The first unity starts with stop being double-minded. Get urgent. Get focused. And this right here is a mark of a true Christian. How urgent are you in your faith? Is it optional a la carte? Do you understand the day, the time in which we're living right now? Are you urgent? Picking back up verse. The marks of a true Christian. Be fervent, urgent in serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Constant in prayer. Practice hospitality. Because for most of us, it doesn't come natural. Bless others. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing and weep with those who are weeping. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord from Deuteronomy chapter 32. Pastor Chuck, man, that's a tough list. How do you do that? Remember how we started this chapter? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, it all starts with, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And then in doing that, what God will do, you won't have to build you a Christian experience, a religious experience to get you to heaven. You offer your life as a living sacrifice. His grace touches that. Before you know it, His power is flowing through you. And speaking of His power... And talking more about unity, look what Psalm 133 says. And I know many of you have read this passage many times. But look what it says, these three short verses. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil. What does the oil represent? Holy Spirit, anointing, right? It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard. The beard of Aaron, the high priest, running down on the edge of his garments. When brethren live together in unity, oil will, float, will drip off of the spiritual leader. There will be an excess. Not only that, it's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Look here, brothers and sisters. We see oil, the anointing, when we live together in unity. And we're not divided. When we live together in unity, oil will flow down. When he speaks about the dew of Mount Hermon, it's the highest range in all of Israel. And they say that in the morning, it looks like after the dew falls, 
that it rained, a hard rain every night. And in an agricultural society, that precipitation was necessary for their livelihood, for their nation. And so what do we see here? In unity, oil, anointing, Holy Spirit power, and sustenance, income, agriculture. Those are not things we muster up. Those are things that come down from heaven. And instead of building up a religious system, a political system for pride and power and prestige, it's in living together in unity, prayerfully walking in the Spirit, that what we need most comes from the hand of God down to us. Are y'all out there? Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? It's not something we can work up. It's something that God sends down. This is why Jesus, as I said earlier, John 17, verse 11, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Jesus prays, God, keep them through, listen, your name. Don't make their name famous. Keep them so that your name will be famous. I got a lot to unpack, but I'm not going to. I'm going to close right here. And we're 10, 11. Getting out early this morning. Well, by faith we are. If I can get a few more amens between now and 10, 15, I'll let you go early. All right, now, you, now we know who is for us and who is against us. Um, I want us to catch a picture of this. Um, the ultimate picture in the New Testament we see in Acts chapter 2. Before you pull that up, you guys, everybody look here. Jesus has been with the disciples post-resurrection for 40 days. In Acts 1, he tells them, Do not leave the city until you have received the gift of my Father has promised, the Holy Spirit. They pray for 10 long days. And in Acts chapter 2, it says this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord, they were unified, and in one place physically, the same location. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Everybody look here. Then what happened? The Bible says, when the Holy Spirit fell, I just, I, I want you to see this. God help us all to see this. They were in one place, one mindset. They weren't rebelling like Genesis 11 when in Genesis 9 they said, God told them, go and spread out. And they, they rebelled and said, nah, God, we got a better plan. We're not going to spread out. We're going to stay together. We can protect each other. We can build something together. We don't trust you. Here in Acts chapter 2, they said, don't leave Jerusalem, Jesus said, until you've received power. And so they stayed. In one mindset, one place, and what happened again? I catch it. This is so simple we can miss it. They obeyed what he told them to do, and a sound from heaven came and filled the room. Could it be when we're unified, doing what he tells us to do, seeking him, we start hearing sounds from heaven that fill the room. What could that be like? Well, it'd be like God starts doing things in the church so great that later in the chapter, 3,000 people get saved. And then the Bible says, I forget, it's either 12 or 14 times in the next four chapters. And the people were in awe reverential fear the word is phobos 
from which we get the word phobia. The people in the community were in awe at what God was doing. How many of you could catch a picture of, oh God, as we gather and we don't ask Pastor Chuck, do something that puffs us up. Let's build something. No. Let's, let's obey him and watch him do something. Let's, people are, people, friends have asked me around the country, what, what are you doing, Pastor Chuck, at Restoration? I'm like, you're asking the wrong question. Let me tell you what he's doing. He said, and I don't know if I'm, if I'm getting through to you this morning. Jesus said, I will build my church. So what do I do, Lord? Just obey me. If I say stay and tarry, pray, repent, seek my face. It's this simple. And if I can get you, Pastor Chuck, everybody here, I, I don't think people, I don't think we have a following problem in our nation, spiritually speaking. I think like most times, we have a leadership problem in our nation. I think spiritual leaders have given in to the Babylonian spirit of, let's build something. No. God said, I, I don't want to dwell in a temple built by hands. I want to dwell in hearts. I don't know if you get the difference. And we're building him. We're doing all this stuff, our efforts. Pride, power, prestige. God forgive us for foolish ministry models that puff people up and make celebrities out of spiritual leaders that should be serving and walking in humility. So humble that they'd be like Jeremiah. Nobody wanted to hear him preach. Nobody followed him. The prophets, it's a good thing John the Baptist had the word of the Lord because he dressed like a freak, he ate animal food, and he was out in the wilderness. Why did the people go out? Because he had the word of the Lord. Y'all out there this morning. Oh God, help us. Help us, Lord. We can't help ourselves. If you weren't on our side already, all of our enemies would have swallowed us alive. We can't defend ourselves. We can try in the natural, but we're talking about something much greater than that. Holy Spirit, may the sound of heaven fill the room. And may the nation be in awe again at what you're doing in the land. Can somebody say amen? Now I'm going to close with this right here. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 30. And I'm trying to get you all drawn in. And we're not building something for pride, prestige, to have power. We're just simply unifying around this. We're gathering around seeking Him. How we're going to make it through the days ahead. We're going to be gathered around, connected to each other. And he, we're going to hear things from heaven be released. We're going to sense his presence. We're going to be comforted together. We're going to encourage one another. These days, we might have to have that. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 30 says this. One can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000. 10,000 what? Demons, spiritual forces against us. How many of you want more than one? You want more than two or three? And, and the exponential things that can happen when we are unified together in the spirit around the same things, hungering for the same things. Are y'all out there? Um, to illustrate that, you know, just yesterday I was thinking about this. Even right now, I'm just so frustrated that I, I don't think we get that. One can put a thousand to flight in prayer, 
spiritual warfare. But two can put 10,000. Do we get that? That's crazy math. Two can't put 10,000. Two can put 2,000. Uh-uh, not according to a word. What can three put? Somebody do the math. 100,000, a million. I don't know what it is. More than 10,000. You know, it's like yesterday. We dread these two days. The spring pine straw laying at our, in our yard and the fall pine straw laying. And yesterday, thank God, all four, the four youngest sons were in town. You know how awesome that is? You know how hard it is to put pine straw down? In hell, some people are going to have to put pine straw down. I hate pine straw. You, get, you can't breathe. It's under your fingernails. You're sweating. It's just, ah! Pay somebody to do it, honey. Please, I'll pay. Skin, they can like take, shave my head, do something. Somebody else do the pine straw. And I'm out there. You know how awesome it is to have two people doing pine straw? You move it like, and to have three and then four, we had like an army of people laying down pine straw yesterday. You know what I felt like? We can do this. We moved faster. We encouraged each other. We also kept each other accountable. You know what I mean? And if we can, in this season, unite around the right stuff, Unite around the spiritual stuff and not build something but realize what we need. We can't muster it up because it's going to be sent down from heaven. Are you all out there this morning? Come on, stand with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, just, I pray for spiritual understanding, revelation, Lord, on this holiday weekend. In our marriages, in our homes, I know how you've called us to walk by faith. Candace and me in raising children. In spiritual leadership, you've, you've called me, Lord, to trust you. To not always have to have evidence in the natural that you're at work. And in our nation right now, when we see all the craziness happening... And our, our natural desire is to, we, we, want, we want to fix it. We want to see something happen this month. And we're desperately seeking news, good news. And, and we, we don't get what we're looking for. But I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you raise up an army of believers at Restoration Church. That, Lord, we would press in, regardless of what's coming Regardless of who's in the White House, regardless, regardless, we know you are on the throne. You are on the throne. You are on the throne, regardless. And we believe it, and we live like it, and we don't have to defend ourselves. We don't have to curse our enemies. We don't have to get even. It's your job. Righteousness will prevail. Truth will prevail and defend itself. And the name of the Lord will be praised. And you will return. And we will return and we will go with you, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the meantime, come on, Lord, send revival. Send revival. Send revival in this church, oh God. A revival of repentance. A revival, oh God, of worship. A revival of us falling in love with your word. A revival of the priesthood of the believers and not some hero culture. Not some lifting some person on a pedestal, but a, a, a revival of us understanding we are the body. Pastor Chuck's just the preacher. He's just the pastor. He's just the leader of this church. But we all have a role in the body. And if we'll... If we'll Fulfill that role, we will see and hear things from heaven released in the land. I just speak it over in the name of Jesus. At Restoration Church, in the coming weeks, we are going to hear 
a rushing sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. His spirit fall in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Signs and wonders, healings, miracles, deliverances, salvation experiences, the manifestation of his presence in Jesus' name. How many of you will agree with me on that? Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Father. Mm. We just honor you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We embrace your word. We offer our lives as living sacrifices. There's somebody here this morning. You're living in chaos and confusion because just simply you haven't surrendered. You haven't allowed him to consecrate your life. And I want to encourage you this morning. Become a living sacrifice and watch him do his work in you and through you in the name of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you would like prayer after we close, feel free to please come down. I'm going to ask staff and elders to be available. I just There's a handful of people this morning. God's, look at me. Seek first his kingdom. And everything that you need, it'll be added unto you. There's no shortcut around it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance up on you and give you peace in Jesus' name. God bless you all. Have a great weekend, everybody. We love you.